So grateful for you all. I have the honor of introducing our guest speaker here this morning, who's serving this morning as sort of our Northeast Regional Representative for Sovereign Grace Churches to come and be here on our local church's ordination Sunday for John Reyes. And I'm so thankful that Warren Betcher's here with us. He's the senior pastor of the Sovereign Grace Church in Marlton, New Jersey, which I pastored at for three years before being sent out on this church plant 15 years ago. And uh, it was a wonderful Sunday. I remember uh, them sending me and Shannon out and laying hands on us to commission us forth to come to Reading. And I remember with Tom and Joe England, Lisa Howe, Daphne Merritt, and uh, so grateful to just see the way our our family of churches in Sovereign Grace are committed to church planting and also committed to uh, caring for one another in Christ. Warren's been a real blessing. Him and his wife, Kim, have been married for 38 years. They have five children and 10 grandchildren. He has a little uh, grandson that he's going to be heading to his, his grandson's three-year-old party down in Philly later on this afternoon. And uh, the Sovereign Grace Church of Marlton is celebrating its 24th anniversary. And so it's wonderful to see the faithfulness of God to a local church. And we're seeing the faithfulness of God to our local church today and the, the blessing of this Sunday. And so I'm so grateful for Warren to come and preach God's word to us. Warren, thank you so much. Can we welcome Warren Betcher? It's great to be here with you. Um, I think walking into this place, because uh, I was here in the beginning, um, and uh, early in the early days, and what, what builds my faith, what builds my joy, uh, but particularly my faith, is just to see that all God's done. Uh, when we planted this church, it was a lean, mean team. I mean, it was a, they were sm- it was a small team. And uh, to see that all God's done. And it's not just by how many people are here, it's by the stories I hear. It's the stories of how you're loving God together and serving God and the light you're being to the community and change lives. I remember early on, CB would just reflect, uh, you know, a, a couple or a person he met and then what the gospel was doing uh, in their lives. And it was just so encouraging. He would then send us their anniversary pictures. And, you know, we got the pictures that were still, okay, there's a, a small group. And all of a sudden the group was like, they're not fitting in the camera angles anymore. And, and, um, and to tell that to our church um, of just God's working here uh, is a, a delight. So don't miss... You know, sometimes there's a lot going on, right? Life is busy. There's all sorts of distractions. Um, this this political season's probably been the most distracting I can remember in my life. Uh, and there's all these things going on. Don't miss what God's doing. Uh, God's kingdom is eternal. It's unshakable. Uh, and there's one king who rules, and he's never nervous. He's never nervous. And nothing's happening outside the sovereign hand of God. Um, and we get to be part of that as Ben was sharing to be a part of something that's bigger than us that outlives us because I have grandchildren now. I, I think more about when I'm not around, what will they have? And I think more and more about that. And I think that charge Ben that you gave was just outstanding. We want to make sure they cherish the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, it's the only message we have folks. There's nothing new. We're not coming up, you're not going to come to this church and say, well, that's a brilliant new idea. It, we're telling the old, old story over and over again. Amen. It's a story that served Christians for over 2,000 years. It's a story that served Christians around the world. Christians in persecution. 
It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ died for our sins. And this is what we tell. This is what we're faithful to tell. Um, it's the it's the great news, the good news. Um, well, if you'd open up your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to be talking about pastoral leadership this morning, which is appropriate as we're going to be ordaining John Reyes as a pastor today. Um, I have gotten to know John a little bit. Um, and I would say right up front, there are two things that stand out to me about John. Um, and I've had a couple conversations with him. One is he's a man of conviction, um, that a man of deep conviction. He's willing to live by his convictions. And I think those convictions are informed by Scripture. So he's not just a man who has an opinion. There's a lot of people that have opinions. There's a difference between an opinion and a preference and a conviction. Convictions informed by God's word. And when I touch John, I touch the Bible. The Bible just exudes out. And, and then the great story of the Bible, which is the gospel. So he's a gospel man. He's a man of conviction. But here's what else I, I was very clear to me. He's a man of compassion. Because you're going to be a man of conviction. Sometimes, you know, a truth teller can be challenging. You need truth tellers. But to have a truth teller... Who has compassion. So he loves you all like a shepherd. And, and it's a joy that I get to be part of this today. I mean, that's what I feel like today. I get to be part of this. You know, like your history, this moment uh, in your church, this significant moment, and part of this with John. So it's an honor to know you, brother. Honor to be here and participate in that. Now, as we think about pastors today, uh, I want to just offer quickly two common mistakes, I think, regarding leaders. Okay? So we're celebrating leadership. We're celebrating the gift of pastors. Two common mistakes, I think, regarding leaders. One is to overemphasize leaders, and we can certainly do that. That can negate the priesthood of all believers, right? There's only one priestly class. It's everybody who's a believer in Christ, everybody in this room. So there's one priestly class. So we don't want to negate the priesthood of all the believers, right? You have the Holy Spirit in you. You are competent to talk to others about God. You're competent to help others. You're competent to do ministry. So we don't want to negate the, the priesthood of all believers. We don't want to diminish also our dependence on God. You know, that would be overemphasizing leaders. What, what should we do? And next thing you know, you're diminishing your dependence on God or undermining Scripture as our final authority. At the end of the day, these men have no authority other than what God says. So they don't have independent authority, autonomous authority. Um, but the other problem, I think common mistake, is to marginalize leaders. And I think that maybe for America could be even higher. We start to marginalize leaders. We don't recognize their scriptural role to lead the church. We don't understand the relationship we're to have to them and really our call to follow their leadership. As God's leading them, they're faithful to scriptures. And we don't want to minimize their importance. So we don't want to become dependent on leaders, but we don't want to minimize their importance in our lives. One of the things I'm grateful for with CB, he's probably pastored me. I, actually, I, I've told him this publicly. I've said this privately. I say this when he's around and when he's not around. He's pastored my soul as well as anybody ever has. There's something about me being with CB and probably, here, here's the here's the truth. Probably the sharpest rebuke I've ever had in my life came from this man. 
And at the end of it, I felt loved. And I felt like I just want to follow Jesus. I can't be around him and not say, I want to follow Jesus. So while I love him, my attention is not drawn to him. He draws my attention to the Savior. And he has rescued me, cared for my soul, and he has passed me well. Um, and I think he has, a, what I, I see is just a, a phenomenal ability to care for someone's heart in a way that connects them to God. Um, and John, that's your call as well. To connect people to the Lord. And um, to, to inspire them to follow Jesus, to be loyal to Jesus. And um, to give the, all of their lives to Jesus. So, First Peter 5, title of the message is Why Pastors, verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless our time this morning. God, that this wouldn't be a message that's only about pastors. Lord, pastors are given by you to the church. So I pray this is a message. The impact of this would carry out its intention. That we would see the importance of this. That this would affect us and inform us. And ultimately, Lord, that this would bring glory to your Son. And Lord, help us to, to see the gospel advance in Reading and beyond. Lord, I thank for this church that's had a vision beyond themselves. To plant in Croatia and even think about future church plant. So God, bless this church in their call. And Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to this church. You've kept them through their history, and you will keep them into the future. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This text is one of my favorites, probably this in Acts 20, uh, are two of my favorite texts on, on being a shepherd, on being a pastor. It gives a great overview of pastoral ministry. Now, before we get to that, uh, we need to see the pastoral leadership is ordained by God. Okay, it's not man's idea, it's ordained by God for the good of God's people. So in Acts, wherever Paul goes, he's not just preaching the gospel, right? He's actually establishing a church. So they're really church planning adventures, not just missionary adventures, they're church planning adventures. And wherever he goes, he then sets in elders and pastors. So in Acts chapter 14, Verse 23, it says the following. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So this is what happened. Everywhere he went, Paul preaches the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. It's the message that saves. People got saved, which was an example, a demonstration of the power of God. And then he set in leaders to care for God's people and, and to do that. Um, in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 3, in Titus 1, 
We see the establishment of qualifications for elders. And that's very important. That's what I know John has been vetted on. Character qualifications. What's his character like? What's the conduct of his home? And then, obviously, in, in, in both First uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the idea of gifting. Is he apt to teach? So that's the calling of a pastor. It's a character position, but there's this one gift of apt to teach. And then as we see in 1 Peter 5, and I love these words, that it's to, he's to exercise oversight, not under compulsion in verse 2, but willingly. This is something, and once it's a man's call, but he goes willingly into it. It's not reluctant. John's not a reluctant pastor. He's willing, but it's not just willing. It keeps going on, uh, not uh, willing as God would have you. And then it, it, it continues in, in through verse 2, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This is what a pastor is called to be like, to be willing, to be eager. And then we see in ver- the end of verse 3, being an example to the flock. John's not a perfect example. CB is not a perfect example. Ben's not a perfect example. I'm not a perfect example. But to be a genuine example. And there's a difference between genuine and authentic and perfect. Because we're just men. Feet of clay, messy. You know? I mean, very messy. But what we, we have a great Savior. And so these men are to be an example of, of, of following a great Savior. Not great men, but men who follow a great Savior. That's what we're called to do. That's what these men are called to do. And then Paul recognized, and I think Paul and Peter both recognized, that pastors were necessary for the care of God's people and the advance of the gospel. So pastors are a gift. These men are given to this church as a gift to this church. That's what they are. I mean, they're better but they're given as a gift. So let's look at the four primary tasks. So why pastors, right? That's the message title. Four primary tasks of a pastor. First task is to lead the church. Exercising oversight is what it says in verse 2. They're to exercise oversight. They're to shepherd the church, to lead the church. They're to provide leadership for you. Now the character of this leadership is servant leadership. And it's marked by love and care for the people. I love this quote by Alexander Strauch, which we might have for you, but uh, Alexander Strauch says the following. The shepherd imagery blends the idea of authority and leadership with self-sacrifice, tenderness, wisdom, hard work, loving care, and constant watchfulness. It demands Knowledge of the sheep, good management skills, and courage in the face of danger. Most important, it demands love for the sheep. And one of the things in, in America today, there's so much material that comes to pastors. Leadership material, business planning material, how to grow your church material. I mean, it's, and it's good material. It's endless. I mean, there's so much material coming. And again, good stuff. But you know what we can do? Let's always remember what's of first importance. Christ and Him crucified. 
And what's the first importance for a shepherd? It's not that they're the most phenomenal, strategic, gifted, visionary leaders. It's that they love the flock. They love the flock. That's a biblical call. Now, do I want to? Does this team want to learn effective leadership skills? I read business books all the time. Good to great. I mean, there's all these books, some very helpful. And then some of you realize, and I'm not like the men who wrote the book. And no matter how much I read, I'll never be like them. But you know what I can do? I can love the flock. That I can do. That God will enable me to do and empower me to do. So most important, it demands love for the sheep. Thus, to shepherd means to govern the church of God, to provide leadership and guidance for the church, to teach and correct from God's word, and to provide protection from all the dangers that threaten the life of the church. So they're called to lead. Guess the implication of what that means for you. You're called to follow. That is not, I don't believe that comes natural. I think without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that will not function. Uh, I don't think it's the uh, American ethic. You know, hey, I want to, I just want to see myself and follow somebody. You know, it's, I mean, that's just not how Americans thought. I mean, even the army used to be, you know, you're part of something. Now it's be all you can be. You know, the army of one. Wait, and I think they tell you that, but when you go to boot camp, you realize none of that's true, right? You're the army of nothing right now, and we're putting you in your place, you know, and, and you're going you're gonna to listen to all of our commands immediately, completely, and cheerfully. The only place where I think that really functions all the time, right? It's not natural, but there's a call to follow. Now, you should ask yourself a question. Warren, you said that, and, and you know, sure, you're an older guy, and I'm hearing you, but where's God's word say that? Right? Be careful, folks. Anything that's said from this pulpit, you should be saying, does this line up with Scripture? Amen. Does the Bible say that? There are gifted men that speak fast and are very gifted. I'm not one of them who, who can do that. And you're just like, next you know, you're nodding your head. You know? You're the lemming walking off the cliff. <laughs> and just not... Where's that in the Bible? Well, it is in the Bible. Okay? And, and this is how this church builds. Scriptural truths guide us. Our principles and our practice. So Hebrews thirteen seventeen, It's an important verse. Challenging verse. If you really think about it, it's going to be challenging. It says this. Obey your leaders. And submit to them. Wow. That does not negate priesthood of all believers. That does not make you dependent. Doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that they have unquestioned authority. Which they don't. But as they're being faithful to Scripture and leading this church, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. If there's the burden of Christian ministry, pastoral ministry, it's that sentence. It's the watching over of souls. Pastors, they get one of the joys of pastors, and I tell men, is you get a front row seat to watch God work. It's front row. God does things you, you have no explanation for. You see somebody come from death to life. You see a marriage healed. 
You see people that were living for themselves and addictions set free. I mean, you just sit on the front seat and you know you're there, but you know you're you're not really even barely part. You you know you're just God's working, and you have the joy to be part of that. But you know what else happens? You see tragedy. You see people walk away from God, and that's where a pastor. I mean, literally, you throw yourself in front of people as they're walking off over a cliff. You grab their their legs. And sometimes the response when you grab their legs, please, the cliff's there, they kick. Let me do what I want. Let me go. And they kick. And you're getting bloodied. But you're not letting go. And sometimes they go anyway. I've been on both sides of this story is beyond my imagination and creates joy and heartache of a life destroyed. I I got yesterday. A couple came in my office. Started to tell me about one of their children. And and grievous destructive behavior. And we just wept. It wasn't a time for counsel. This is time I'm so sorry. How can we help? And I see a young daughter married who's starting to make decisions that could lead to destruction. We know there's an enemy. Satan hates her soul. Wants to destroy her. You know what we're going to do? Throw our arms around her. Obey your leaders. Follow them. Submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will give an account. Have to give an account. Which should sober pastors. You don't belong to us. You belong to God. And we're going to give an account to God. For how we pastor you. Let them do this. Now here's your charge. So obey your leaders and submit to them. But here's your charge. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning. In other words. Make it a joy to follow them. Make it a joy for them to lead you. There's many ways you do that. Giving honest input makes it a joy. When somebody sits down with me and raises concerns and questions and we're talking about it, I'm like, thank you. Because that's much different than when you sit with someone else and talk about me. When you sit with somebody else and say, why is the church blah, 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 blah. That, that's not a joy. It is a joy when you come and say, I don't understand. Let's talk. It's a joy when I see people sit. I mean, walking this place is a joy. Because I see how you're following, how you're supporting, you know, these things. And all the setup that goes into setting up a, you know, in this school. That's making a, a joy for your pastors. Okay? So, let them do this with joy, not with groaning. Why? For that would be of no advantage to you. So, first call is to lead the church. Second call. We're going to move quickly here. Second, to protect the church. To protect the church. This is the call of your pastors. To protect the church. And there is much the church needs to be protected from. I believe. And I love, uh, again, my second favorite passage uh, regarding pastoral leadership is in Acts 20. And in verses uh, 29 um, to 30. 
At 31, it says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And this is very sobering. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Be alert, pastors. There's you, the God's made us an overseer. In verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So you've been obtained and bought by the blood of Christ. These men are called to protect you. To really care for you. And I think they protect you um, from false doctrine. I think that's primary. And that's all over. In book form. Media. You want to be in a place that, that always thinks about 1 Corinthians 15. I gave you this of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. That He was buried according to Scripture. And He was raised again according to Scripture. That That's of first importance. That's of first importance. So they're called to protect you from, from even people from within that can be divisive. I mean, folks, heretics have always come from within the church. Divisive men have always come from within the church. So we need to discern that. And they're called to discern that to protect the church. So that as Ben said, there will be a legacy generation to generation. That's what you want. So they're to protect the church. Third, they're to teach the church. This is, I think, the primary way that leadership is expressed. Pastoral leadership, it's to teach the church. So they have to be apt to teach. So Paul, and Paul so loved the churches and, and loved Timothy. He was taking these pastoral roles. You know, he's telling Timothy all the time, teach sound doctrine, teach sound doctrine, and then teach others to teach sound doctrine. I don't know if you've ever traveled. I've traveled a bit uh, around. So at one point I was uh, in England and I went to uh, Spurgeon's, my historical hero, my non-biblical historical hero, my favorite preacher uh, outside of Scripture. Um, and I went to the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And I thought, oh, Spurgeon here, I think he would have been grieved. But it's by different things I saw. And so there can be a sense to where those things can get lost. You don't assume the gospel, right? You assume the gospel, the gospel gets forgotten. And other things become uh, important. So they're to teach sound doctrine and then teach others to teach. It sounds like, I think, in communication, uh, as, as parents are coming in with youth, well, they're, how do you communicate to your kids? Which a lot of it's listening. But what do you want to communicate to? Is your life of faith to them. You want them to follow the Lord with all of their heart. Um, so when you guys, when we're all dead and gone, Christ Community Church in this area is preaching the gospel. It's preaching the gospel faithfully. And then lastly, is the call to equip the church. Pastors are called to equip the church. So in, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says the following. And he gave the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip. And by the way, they're called gifts in here. So there's gifts God's given to the church 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot of words in there. You know, it's not just equipping the saints, it's building the body. It's unity. It's mature manhood. It's the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's what pastors do. They're leading you to do ministry. They're leading, but they're not doing it all. You're doing. And, and brothers and sisters, think about your call from God the next time you go to your small group. You're going there to minister. You're going there to fulfill Galatians 6.1. Carry one another's burdens. That's why you're going. The assumption of Scripture is you have burdens that you're not equipped to carry and you need someone to help you. And someone else is in the same place. They have burdens they're not equipped to handle by themselves and they need your help. So carry one another's burdens. I I think there's a lot of things the church can do and should do. We should plan and outreach and have programs. Two things I think the church should really excel at. Loving one another and forgiving well. Love well, forgive well. Right? Because we've been loved well by God and we've been forgiven by God. So if we contemplate God's love to us and God's forgiveness of us, that and, and by the way, if you're not good at loving others or forgiving others, it's not a problem with people. You need to think more about God. Because God loves you profoundly and patiently and purposely. And God forgives us graciously and generously. So may we be good at that with one another. May we be good at that with one another. Your pastors are called to equip you to care for one another. Not to do all the ministry, but to equip you for works of ministry. This is the great call of shepherds. They're to shepherd the flock. They're to shepherd the flock that's among them. They're to love the flock. Sheep know the shepherd's voice. The great shepherd's obviously Jesus. This is why I don't think pastors primarily a professional job. Like, I'm here, I'm a speaker. In my church, I'm a pastor. Now I'm here, I love you. But these guys are your pastors. I love my people in a unique way. I love to be with them. I think about them this morning. Multiple times this morning, I thought, where are they in the service? God bless them. Who's speaking? God bless him. I'm thinking of them. I'm missing them. It's not, hey, I'm a gifted called man, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's God called me to pastor that flock. That's the flock. That's my priority. That's what informs my priorities and my decisions in life. How these decisions affect my pastoring of my flock. These are the people that God called me to. These are the people that God has called these men to. And called you to them as well. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to turn it over to CB. God, thank you so much for pastoral ministry. Thank you so much for the gift that it is, privilege it is for a man who's called to do this, the responsibility it is, 
Lord, for this church that does support and follow their pastors. Lord, may that only grow for them. Uh, God, and may this church just be a great light. Lord, I thank for the pastor they're adding today in John Reyes. Uh, God, and, and bless him in his call. This joyful, consuming, exhausting privilege. It is a privilege to do what he's being called to do. Lord, it is a great privilege. And Lord, thank you for that and bless him in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So much. Thank you so much, Warren. And at this time, I just um, want to share just a few words of commendation from our congregation to John before we lay hands on him in a little while. Um, ben and I want to commend John to you as an under-shepherd and wholeheartedly commend him to you. I want to just share just a few words of encouragement that came in from you all as well, so we can celebrate that together. Evidences of God's grace that were shared from you and that I, I trust will be a blessing to you, John, but also a blessing to all of us as we as we hear it read. Sherry Kane wrote, one of the things we really enjoy about John's preaching is its naturalness. Though he is studious and serious about the Word of God, his preaching never seems merely academic. John manages to make his messages come from the heart. His sincere interest in others shows in the way he listens and affirms when you have a conversation with him. His care for his wife and children are evident if you spend time with them. John, Kim, and their family are the type that just make your heart glad when you see them. Amen. You have the beautiful gift of hospitality, and we're blessed to have been the recipients of that gift. Mark Burns wrote, I dearly love John Kim and their beautiful family. When I read the scriptural text, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, regarding the qualifications of an elder, pastor, I'm personally at peace and cheering on John's approval and believe he is a tested, proven, and quality man of God for this divine call. From my recollection, when John was in the early stages of being a pastor and training at Christ Community Church and hearing his heart of a humble servant saying, I will first come to clean the toilets at the church house, that is the heart of a humble servant like our master, Jesus Christ. I have personally been encouraged and challenged in my own faith to go deeper and higher in my trust in Jesus Christ by John's personal testimony of his conversion to Christ, his preaching of God's word, his suffering for the gospel, his servant leader's heart, his wise godly counsel, and his friendship. We are blessed to have John serve as pastor and training in our local church and as a pastor today. And as we build God's kingdom here in this region together and in John's words, Shining for Jesus in our Reading, Berks County region and beyond. Thank you, Mark. Uh, this word came in from John Shell. I'm very excited over the news of John Reyes being ordained. From the earliest days of knowing and meeting John, I've been encouraged and deeply provoked by John's insight, wisdom, and especially his love for and joy in Jesus. I love the way he leads his family and all that Kim brings to the church. Amen, Kim. And amen to you kids. We're so thankful for you all as well. Those initial feelings have only grown over the years as I've gotten to know John better. I feel that he brings new perspective and much grace to all he touches, both inside and outside the church. His lifelong and gracious dedication to the lost and to the unborn are also extraordinary. Aaron Marin wrote, 
John has taught me the word. He has been extremely hospitable to me. He's shown me what it's like to be a husband and a dad. He's answered my call when I need him as a pastor. He performed the marriage of my wife and I and helped in counsel along the way. And after our marriage, John has continued to spend time with us as our pastor and has helped us grow to love God and each other more. My wife and I are thankful to God for John and his loving care for us. We are honored to call him our brother, friend, and pastor. Scott Wagner wrote this. It actually took nearly a year of breathless anticipation for Heather and I to get the full story of just how John ended up a guest of the county. In other words, John went to prison for the gospel, and in, in uh, Scott's words, he called it a guest of the county. I thought that was wonderful. Uh, this is just very humorous. And I love this about Scott. And it was then that I realized just how much passion John had for the Lord, a man so driven to spread the gospel that he was willing to risk prison time in order to share the love that Christ has for us. That's John Reyes, a man with the spiritual gift of evangelism and outreach, a father, husband, son, pastor, friend, and one heck of a stylish dresser. <laughs> amen to that. Anybody want to shout amen to that? Since then, we have heard several additional stories that have only fortified my opinions of him as a man and as a follower of Jesus. Heather lovingly refers to him as our, quote, pocket pastor. <laughs> I love that, Heather. <laughs> but when speaking about our Lord and Savior, this is great. John may as well be seven feet tall. And that's in reference to John being short in stature, but tall as a mighty man of God. Thank you so much for that, Scott. Doug and Kelly Kramer write, you are such a blessing, John, an inspiration and encouragement. Your humble, authentic openness, love, and sincerity are powerful examples. Whether giving announcements, bringing forth God's message, or interacting with other church members and your family. So grateful for that. Thank you. Darla Martin wrote, Hi, John. We're blessed to have you as our pastor and a friend. I truly thank God for you. Thank you so much for praying for us. It means so much. T.J. Whipple wrote, Just a couple thoughts and impressions on John that have confirmed to me the authenticity of his calling into full-time pastoral ministry, even before he came on staff as a pastor in training. His obvious love and care for his family and God's people was on full display. There was an obvious depth to the man, and Warren touched on that. As well, his, his, his depth in, into the word of God really, really shines forth. He had the appearance to me of a spiritual giant, a man who had been places in God, who had truly seen God's omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence firsthand. This was later confirmed as John shared from his personal experiences. The man had served God well and faithfully in much difficulty and distress. All these things later further confirmed as my friend Adam joined us at church one Sunday. On this particular day John was preaching, Adam was so taken by John's skill and depth of understanding of the word that he assumed he was our senior pastor. When I told him he was a pastor in training, he seemed stunned. His reply was similar to what I said earlier. His impression was exactly the same as mine. That man is a spiritual giant. Thank you so much for that, TJ. Linda Sikorsky wrote, I'm so happy for John. He's truly a blessing to all of us. I remember his testimony, and I was so touched and encouraged by him. Please let him know he's always encouraging all of us. I love how he demonstrates his love for Christ and all of us as well. Lord knows we're all sinners, and we're all in this together. Amen, Linda. We are all in need of each other to lift us up and encourage us. I know I cannot survive without Christ, Linda Sikorsky said. Well said, Linda. 
Louis Nestor Sinchon wrote, John and Kim have served our family greatly. Often at moments notice, they have gone deep into our lives and our needs and have spoken truth and encouragement to us and those we love many times. The smiles on their faces and the laughter in their hearts is easily spread. Their children are kind and have often thought to share things with our children. Their service to us is just a taste of how we know they have served our church family. We are blessed by you and grateful for you, John and Kim. Josh Sharita wrote, John Reyes shines for Jesus because he's a doer of the word. He exudes godly joy in the midst of trials and suffering. Amen to that. And Josh eloquently concludes his encouragement with, he's what you might call a, quote, gospel beast. Uh, I love that phrase, a gospel beast. Thanks for that, Josh. And uh, Jan Vucinovic wrote in from Croatia and wrote, John is a true servant, eager to serve people and loves Jesus. He is also humble and open with others. We thank God for John and are joyful for the blessing he is. And we are so thankful, uh, John, for you. And I hope you're encouraged. Church, thank you so much for just that generous sharing of encouragement to John on his ordination Sunday. I know that those words of yours are going to be a real highlight for him on this day where he's going soberly before the Lord in the fear of him to officially be ordained as a Sovereign Grace Church pastor here in our local church, and I know he's very grateful for that. Warren mentioned a moment ago that there's there's nothing like uh, the qualification that says what a man is like in his home. It really deeply matters, and an elder must be able to manage his own household well, and we wanted to surprise John, but actually have Kim Reyes come up and share at this time. So, Kim, if you could come forward and share your heart with the church of just grace you see in your husband's life, that would be great. So, if any of you know us well, you know that I love to surprise John, but it normally doesn't work out. My kids normally... Um, you know, give away the Christmas gift ideas or whatever. But I think we pulled it off, so I'm super excited about that. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, CB and Ben, just for the opportunity to be a part of this special day. CB had asked me um, a couple of weeks ago um, if I would share just a bit of my perspective of what it's like to live with John behind closed doors. So... Um, <laughs> I thought I, <laughs> I know, honestly, I thought I'd, it was kind of like, I was debating, do I go like really funny and jabby or do I go serious? So I, I decided to go serious. Um, I know. <laughs> anyway, I decided uh, to start over a decade ago when I was sitting in this small pew in a little tiny multicultural church in the heart of inner city Dallas. John was being ordained there, and I was just really excited for him because I had seen some of the hard work that had gone into that day. John had been faithfully serving the church years before. Um, He'd been toiling in the Word, and he had been working to make his theology biography as he lived out his faith. So fast forward to today, and I can say with all sincerity that John that you see Sunday is the same John that I go home to. He has a driving desire to live above reproach, and this doesn't end on Sunday afternoon. John doesn't care about the opinions of men, so this drive to live honorably is motivated not out of a fear of man, but 
out of a desire to please God and to shine for him. Over the years, I've watched John love people. I've watched him be a voice for the voiceless and extend help and mercy to moms in need. I've learned from him the importance of steadfast labor for Jesus, standing outside an abortion clinic in the freezing cold rain, watching moms flood in, all the while cursing you for who you stand for, can be heartbreaking. But John has always been there to teach me that God does not measure our success by the number of moms that turn away, but rather, instead, God is pleased with the faithfulness of his people to go, to be a light of hope. And while I've watched John endure heartbreak heartbreaking betrayal from close friends. I've also watched him trust in our redemptive God as he works things out in his own timing. I've watched John treat the word seriously and with great honor. The burden that he carries to bring the word faithfully to you is great and it weighs heavy on him. I've watched um, him faithfully. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. He studies the claims of all sorts of heretics in order to be ready to protect the church should the need arise. I've watched John been slandered and falsely accused, and in those moments, I've watched him wait for the Lord. He hopes in God, and he knows where his help comes from. And you know what? God has never failed us, not even once. I've watched John pour out his life for the drug-addicted, opening our home to the lonely and hurting. I've watched John bear up under heartbreak when some of those men have relapsed. And I've watched him rejoice when some of those men chose to live in the fullness of all that God has given them through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I asked him the other day, how can you be so humble and love people so well? And he just simply replied, because I see the worst in me. He's honestly that humble. (sighs) Through all the years, I've never watched him lose his temper with me. Not even once. He's amazingly never been quarrelsome with me. Now, talk about self-control, right? (laughs) Like, how does that even happen? Uh, He's tenderly yet firmly shepherded my own sinful heart. Like a good husband, he's able to confront me and challenge me when my thoughts and ideas don't line up with the grid of Scripture. But it's always done with prayer and out of a desire to see growth. I've watched him tenderly hold our children and play with them with creative inspiration. He has faithfully and tenderly and diligently loved them and disciplined them with patience. I was talking with each of the kids about how how do you know that Daddy loves Jesus? And each of them said the same thing, but I think Evangeline's quote pretty much sums it up nicely. She said, Daddy loves the gospel so much that he shares it with us. John, earlier I had mentioned that I was excited when you were ordained 12 years ago. And I can say with full confidence that I'm just as happy now. I rejoice today because I've watched you. I've watched you weather life storms and trust in Jesus. I've watched God sustain you and be the lifter of your head. I've watched you in the refiner's fire, and you have continued to shine for Jesus. I've watched you change the lives of people around you for the glory of God alone. And I cannot wait to see what the Lord's going to do through you in the next 20 years of ministry.
job. Thank you so much. Oh, Kim, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. And John, I know you know this. All this is, uh, we are giving glory to God through this and not seeking to draw attention to you, which I know would be a real burden for you. You want to make sure that Jesus gets all the glory. And, and I want you to know that's all of our intentions, including Kim's. That's me and Ben's intention. That's Kim's intention and our church as well. We give glory to God for the blessing you are, brother, that we're excited about today. Well, our book of church order and Sovereign Grace Churches uh, prescribes for us to ask some questions to John to affirm, and then also for us to ask questions to the congregation to affirm. And so, firstly, we're going to have questions for John to affirm that flow from our book of church order and Sovereign Grace Churches. And I'd like to ask Ben Ross to come forward at this time, and John, if you could come forward at this time as well uh, for this uh, question, asking and answering portion of the service. I just wanted to um, publicly state how grateful I am for John and for Kim. Kim is a is a real blessing to Kelly and me, and I'm grateful for her friendship. I'm grateful for their friendship, um, but they are very helpful and encouraging to us as we walk through this. So we're grateful for for you and for John as well. He has pastored my heart. He has pastored our heart. He is a blessing in elders meetings that you don't get to be a part of, um, but him just, uh, as me and CB, have a thousand ideas. John just having his ideas as well, but just, I hear you saying this, CB, and I hear you saying this, Ben, and I'm like, he's working us right now. He is just pastoring us and working us right now, and we all benefit from it. Um, so yeah, like CB said, we have uh, some questions that come out of the Book of Church Order, as Warren said, if uh, it, really, what does God's Word say about these things? So I would encourage you, you can all look at the Book of Church Order. It's on the Sovereign Grace website. And uh, with each of these questions, they're, they're pointed to Scripture. And so it's, what does God's Word say, as Warren said, about what pastors should be? What should they be promising? It's not, well, these are Sovereign Grace's ideas. And it really, this is, what does God's Word say? So if you go online, you actually can look at all of the references that allude to these statements. And I would, just very briefly, uh, you know, the men in our church who wonder about calling, and I know, by God's grace, there are many of you, uh, enjoy this moment with John, but I would also encourage you, listen to what God's Word and just what we are calling John to. That you might even think about yourself. Am I, am I qualified? Do, do I see this in my life? And to pray, if you don't, that God would give you fresh grace and spirit to mold you more and more into his image. Alright, John. John, do you promise to shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, but willingly? Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Do you promise to faithfully guard the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer? And do you promise to protect that flock, this flock, from false teaching, division, and dissension? I do. Do you promise to care for the flock of God, not as a hireling, but as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, caring for his sheep as the precious ones for whom he died? I do. Do you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and this congregation, promise to preach the word in season and out of season? Do you promise to reprove, rebuke, 
and exhort with complete patience, enduring suffering while remaining sober-minded in all of your preaching and teaching? And will you do the work of an evangelist among those whom God has given you charge? I do. Do you declare sincerely before God that you believe all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the sovereign grace statement of faith fully agree with the scriptures? Do you own that statement as the statement and confession of your faith? And do you promise to teach and defend these doctrines in public and private? I do. Do you promise further that if in the future you come to have reservations about any of these doctrines, you will share these reservations with your eldership and the regional assembly of elders? I do. Do you promise to keep a close watch on yourself? And to walk humbly before others. To be self-suspicious of your own motives. To invite criticism from others. And to make yourself accountable to those whom God has put in your life. I do. Do you submit without exception to the explicitly mandated practices of the Sovereign Grace Book of Church Order. Affirming that the form of government is a wise and suitable application of scriptural principles. I do. Do you promise to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to show yourself in all respects, in action, and in speech to be a model of good works, integrity, and dignity so that neither the church nor our Savior Jesus Christ nor the gospel may be brought into reproach? I do. Do you promise to continually seek the gifts of the Spirit that you might serve God's people, not in the energy of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit? And to carry out your ministry without fear of man. I do. Praise God. CB, you can come back up. And congregation, if you would stand as we make our promises to God. Do you, the people of Christ Community Church, receive John Reyes as your pastor? Do you promise to receive the word of truth from him with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due biblical exercise of his leadership? Do you promise to supply him with whatever material support he may need to fulfill his ministry among you? Do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his ministry and leadership for your spiritual edification, the evangelization of the lost, and the promotion of God's glory? We do. At this time, all the local elders and the regional representative will lay hands on John and pray for him. The process of laying on of hands is a public affirmation and recognition that this individual has been set apart for gospel ministry and that the ongoing mercy and attendance of the Spirit of God will be necessary to satisfactorily fulfill the requirements of ministry. And so, Warren, if you could come forward at this time, and Ben, you and I will lay hands on John, and we will pray for him. Ben's going to pray first, and then I'll pray, and then Warren will close in prayer. Will you join me in praying? Lord, we thank you that you give good gifts to the church because you love the church. And so, Lord, as CB said, you receive all the glory today. 
And we want you just to know that we're grateful for John. We're grateful for Kim. We're grateful for Stephen. We're grateful for Evangeline. We're grateful, Lord, for Raymond. And we are grateful for Jeremiah. We thank you that each of them are a gift from you to us. And John, Lord, specifically as an elder and a pastor, is a gift to this flock that you died for. Lord, we are grateful that we see in your word that you desire for local churches to be made up of a plurality of elders. Many men called by you to lead your people, to serve them, to lay down their life for them. And you have heard our prayer. We have prayed for more elders. And you have heard our request. You have prepared this man in Georgia and in Texas. You prepared him in saving him as a young man, Lord. That although he was hopeless, you came and gave him great hope. So Lord, we thank you for saving John. We thank you for equipping John. We thank you that the Holy Spirit flows out of John, Lord. That even as I shared those questions, I knew in my heart, yes, the answer is yes to all of them because I've seen it with my own eyes. We as a church have seen it, Lord. We have seen you pour out of him, Lord. We have seen the light of Christ flow in the big moments and the small. And we thank you for John. We thank you for his family, Lord. And we pray that you would continue to bless them even as they bless us. Lord, we just thank you so much for this man and the gift that he is to us. We we ponder the reality that from eternity past, Lord, you've ordained to bring Ben and John and myself together to pastor this precious flock and to gather all of us together as your people here at Christ Community. We love our church, and we're so grateful, Lord God, to be under shepherds, chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, in this glorious gospel call. Thank you so much for saving this man. Thank you so much for calling him to be one of our pastors. Lord, what a blessing he is. And we pray, Holy Spirit, for your spiritual protection over John and Kim and their kids. We know that when the gospel goes forward, Satan will seek to oppose, seek to discourage. Lord, we pray for you to encourage his heart, strengthen him, Holy Spirit, protect him. Almighty God, we ask for spiritual growth in his life and in his marriage and in his parenting and in the kids and in Kim and and his own individual Christian lives. We ask for your blessing upon it. And Lord, we also pray for John's physical healing. It's been a real trial for him in relation to his suffering. Touch his body, even as we three lay hands upon him and our church prays and adds their prayers. Lord, we pray that you would anoint him, Holy Spirit, with healing and touch his body in the name of Jesus. To drive pain and suffering away that he might serve us in an undistracted way. We trust you, Lord. We know you're good in all your dealings with us. And Lord, we also ask for you just to anoint him, Holy Spirit, with power and anointing for ministry into the future. Use this man greatly in our midst to strengthen us as a local church. And we thank you so much for him.
Lord, I pray that you would strengthen this church. God, they would be strong in faithfulness to the gospel. Or that John be used to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to an area that needs it and beyond. So Lord, strengthen this church, God. Strengthen this church in their call. And Lord, keep this church faithful to the gospel message. Lord, that they would not be distracted, but that which is of first importance would always be of first importance to them. And Lord, as this team grows old and adds new people and change comes, may this church stay faithful to the gospel generation to generation. And Lord, keep this church united. God, Satan hates the good news of Jesus, hates the unity of the saints. Lord, keep this church united in gospel ministry. So Lord, I thank you for this day. I think for this day represents in your will, in your blessing, in your grace. And so Lord, strengthen this pastoral team. Strengthen this church, Lord. May they serve you faithfully. And Lord, may their declaration be, God has been faithful to us in all things. So Lord, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, John and Kim will be at the back to greet in a a few moments. I'm going to share a benediction in a few moments. But before we do that, I I wanted to just, at this moment, just uh, offer up a gift from our congregation to you, John and Kim. And Kim, I'll hand this to you. It's just a gift, a gift card for a date night for you and John to say thank you to both of you just for your faithful service and your blessing to us as a local church. Church, can we thank God for John and Kim and the blessing they are to us? Glory to God. Glory to God. Tom Minglin, our worship leader, uh, came and shared just a heartfelt desire to close and, and worship before we had the benediction. And so, Tom, if you and the worship team could come, appreciate your idea, even though it was in the moment. I think it would bless John and Kim also to be able to go upward and our whole church to go upward and, and praise uh, to our God. So, Tom, if you're here, if you could come forward at this time and, and close us. Uh, with a worship song, and I'll share a benediction to the church at the end. So thank you so much, worship team. Let's all praise the Lord, church. Amen, church. What a What an awesome God. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Christ Community Church, God bless you, and what a Savior. Amen? Amen. Have a wonderful day.